This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Lord, again, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for providing a way of salvation. Thank you for the cross that allows us to be here today and just rejoice in victory. In Jesus' name, amen. out of pause. Man, we're having a lot of prayer today. We shouldn't pray that much in church, should we? But maybe um, maybe there's some change that you're praying about. People need some deliverance. Could we just um, could we just stand again and ask God to break those chains? People in our families, maybe our friends. Maybe some of you even want to come to the altar and just represent the chains that are binding someone. Let's just pray this morning. Father, we, we thank you for the power of the cross. Thank you that even though there are chains that seem so, so strong and unbending, unbreakable, and yet the power of the cross is able to break every chain. It's able to deliver. Lord, as that song says, to the uttermost. Lord, I want to just pray for, for some people here that I know they're, they're broken inside because of children, because of relatives, because of situations that they've been praying about for years and years and years. And... and Nothing seems to have broken those chains, but Lord, we just grab onto your power in faith, believing that, Lord, you're going to do a work. You're going to do something supernatural, something extraordinary. Lord, you're going to heal. Lord, you're going to maybe bring people to the end of their rope to where, God, uh, there's tough love there, but they begin to see that God is there waiting. Lord, I pray that whatever it takes to bring people to you and 
Lord, whatever it takes to bring healing, Lord, that you would just do that today. Lord, I pray that right now as these are seeking, Lord, they're interceding, they're begging, they're praying. I ask, Lord, that there would be just some tangible proof that, Lord, you've heard and that this week, Easter week, that there would be something take place, Lord, that that we wouldn't be able to explain away, that we would just be able to say it is God's power and only God's power. Oh, Lord, I, I pray that there would be healing. I pray that there would be deliverance. Lord, I pray that hope would be given to these families that are so broken right now. And, and so, God, we just trust you and And we thank you ahead of time for what you're going to do this week, Lord. Resurrection week, there are going to be some people resurrected from their sins, from their addictions. Lord, from the chains that Satan has bound them with, we are praying that there would be deliverance. And so, God, uh, as we go into the study of of your word, I just pray that you would uh, just manifest yourself to us in an amazing way. And Lord, for what you do for us today and in the days to come, we will praise you. And Lord, maybe come back to this moment where you just brought us together again with our brokenness and, and our hurts. And Lord, our, our, just the way that we're so messed up and our hangups. And Lord, maybe come back to this moment where you begin doing a work in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you for the power of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people again said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated, yes. an amazing birthday (laughs) yes wow well Ephesians chapter 2 and I don't want to just rush through the service Um, I believe God's given me a message but I'm not um, you know I can preach it after you testify testify I just thank God for his presence, but Ephesians chapter 2, and it's always an honor to gather with you, and and especially on this Palm Sunday, and you know, Pastor Darren, he said it so well, but if you were raised in church, you know that this is the day that we typically remember the triumphal entry of Jesus a couple thousand years ago, just a few short days before he would go to the cross. Jesus would ride into Jerusalem experiencing the cheers and the hosannas and seeing people wave palm branches expressing their support for him. And I was thinking about this this past week as far as outward and visible support. This would probably be the greatest day in the three-year ministry of Jesus. And because of this being a, a super important day in the life of Christ, one of the unwritten rules for a pastor is that on Palm Sunday, he should always kind of foster or promote a pep rally type of atmosphere. <laughs> You know, give me a J, and you say, J, give me an E, and give me an S, and what's that spell? Well, well, Jesus, and, you know, on Palm Sunday, we're just supposed to be all giddy with excitement. Uh, but to the great frustration of some of you, you know that I've never been one to really follow traditions. <laughs> I guess I've always been kind of a rebel, and um, I, I think it was Mike Norman that used to call me a rebel with a cause. 
whatever that means. But so today, if it's okay with you, um, and I guess even if it's not, we're going to break the unwritten Palm Sunday rule and and bypass the traditional pep rally. And and uh, but I do feel like God has given this this message to me. I want to talk to you about something that came about as as a result of all of the Easter events, and I'm calling our lesson the Ephesian Road to Salvation. You know, many of us have heard of the Roman Road or Romans Road. Some people call it to salvation. You know, Romans three twenty three and Romans six twenty three and Romans five eight and Romans ten you know thirteen scriptures that people use to help point someone to God. But the book of Ephesians also gives us the road to salvation. And it doesn't contradict the Roman road. It just gives us another angle and maybe a more practical angle on how to come into a relationship with Christ. Let me try to set the tone for our lesson by telling you a story. This is a true story. It involves a man named John. John was born almost 300 years ago in the year 1725. And if you could ever attach a label to any one person and call them a human disaster, that would be John. In fact, think of the most wicked person that you know and and multiply that several times and you would probably have John. John was a wild, raging, violent, and at times out of control drunk. John worked on a ship, was hated by all of his shipmates. And to show you a little bit about how, uh, about John, he was given a nickname and, and I've never heard anyone else with this nickname, but he was given the nickname, the great blasphemer. You know, we've all heard and used the phrase, he cussed like a sailor. That phrase could very well have been coined because of John. In fact, his captain said this, and I I quote, he said, Not only did John use the worst language I've ever heard, but he created new words that exceeded the limits of verbal debauchery. In other words, John took profanity, cussing, cursing, foul language, off-color jokes to a whole new level. To show you how much John was hated, one day, John, the great blasphemer, fell overboard, but his crewmates refused to throw him life preservers. Instead, it is recorded that they threw harpoons at him. Somehow he survived, was able to get back on the ship again. Well, John was so arrogant and so rebellious that that finally his captain had, had all that he could take of this despicable piece of humanity. And so he had the great blasphemer stripped down naked and as a public spectacle in front of 350 men proceeded to have him flogged eight dozen times. That's 96 lashes. And as a result, John's anger boiled over, reached new levels, and and he became so furious that he decided to take out his anger on the captain. He was going to harm him, maybe even kill him, and then he had plans to take his own life. Well, about that time, a massive storm blew in and hit the ship and and the wind and the waves and the rain were so severe that it appeared the ship was going to go down and everyone thought they were going to die and some did die. John didn't have many friends, but the one friend he did have happened to be standing right by John during that storm. He was swept off the deck into the water, never to be seen again. But during that storm, and this surprised blasphemer John, 
But he found himself so gripped with fear. It was intense fear. And, and even though he had planned to take his life, yet when confronted with death because of the storm, he realized that he really didn't want to die. And so there in the moment of his deepest fear, he began to cry out to God. The, the same God that he had blasphemed and cursed. There in desperation, he cried, Lord, have mercy on me. And God did have mercy on him. He not only survived that brutal storm, but realized in that moment that there must be a God who loved him. And so this man with the first name of John and with the last name of Newton, John Newton, began seeking God. He began reading scripture and reached out to this God that he had blasphemed and cursed and was soon transformed by the grace of God and out of gratitude to this God who had forgiven him and extended grace to him and given him purpose in life, John Newton put pen to paper and in 1772 began to write a song with these words, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. So here on this Palm Sunday, I want to talk to you about the power of God and the power of God's amazing grace that can take a despicable sinner such as John Newton and completely transform him. Now, since I feel completely inadequate to do justice to this powerful theme, for some help, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. Your, your Bibles are open there. And we're going to ask the Apostle Paul to help us with this task. Now, if you read Ephesians chapter 2, it's kind of funny. If you're really observant and into grammatical structure, which most of us aren't, uh, but my wife is, and Barb is, and probably Teresa but, but if you really study this, you'll notice that Paul breaks all sorts of grammatical rules. His, his writing here is kind of like my communication with my wife. Faith sometimes has to be really patient with me because I'm a typical guy and, and I'll admit that I'm horrible about explaining something. And, and this past week I was trying to teach uh, my grandson Jace how to make a Jacob's Ladder with string. And many of you oldies know about that. And, and uh, you know, when we were kids, we didn't have cell phones to play with, so we had to play with string. Don't you feel sorry for us? But, but anyway, I, I was horrible at, at trying to explain this to him. And, and, and Faith gets so frustrated at my efforts to explain something. Maybe she has a glitch in her phone or computer and I'm trying to walk her through it. And I jump ahead and then back up and she has no clue what I'm trying to explain. And she's frustrated. I'm frustrated. And we just have, about have to go to marriage counseling. But, but the Apostle Paul isn't quite that bad, but close. In Ephesians chapter 2, it's, it's like he's so passionate and excited about his theme, and he starts a sentence but doesn't finish it. He has run-on sentences, and, and it's almost like because of his excitement, he can't even get out a complete thought. So even though Ephesians chapter 2 is amazing, yet sometimes because of the literary style, it can be a challenge to fully understand. So let's see if we can simplify what Paul is saying. And I would like to boil it down to three two-word sound bites. First of all, the Apostle Paul is going to show us what you were. So, so the first sound bite is you were. Everybody say you were. One, two, three, you were. If you are a true follower of Christ, you are not today what you once were. He says you were. 
For, for the second sound bite, we, we find the words, but God. Everybody say, but God. One, two, three, but God. You were one thing, but God intervened and turned your life around. And thirdly, Paul gives us the method of this intervention. And, and he shows us how God was able to turn us around with the soundbite of by grace. Would you say by grace? by grace? So if you go to sleep on me today, here's the message in a nutshell. You were but God by grace. That's what I call the Ephesians road to salvation. Let's read Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Once you were dead. So there's our first soundbite. You were. You were dead. It says, you were dead, doomed forever because of your many sins. So much for the pep rally atmosphere we're supposed to foster on Palm Sunday. Paul just bluntly says, because of the fact that you were so full of sin, you were dead and doomed. Dead and doomed. Almost sounds like a heavy metal rock group. Dead and doomed. But Paul isn't finished yet. It gets worse. He says, you used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So, so Paul is telling us how you were, how I was, how we were. He says, you were dead and doomed and a follower of Satan because you obeyed him. Did you know that? You used to follow Satan. You were dead and doomed. And I know that some of you here, you used to think that you were mama's little angel. Well, it was one of those little angels with horns. And you were not just knee deep in sin, you were neck deep in sin. Again, how is that for a feel-good pep rally type sermon for Palm Sunday? Well, let's keep on reading. Paul doesn't back off. And in verse 3, he says, All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. So, so there's more of the same. You know, the same song, third verse, fourth verse, whatever. Before Christ, you follow the cravings of your sinful nature. Now, I know what people like to say in this part of the country. I've heard it many times. We like to think, you know, hey, you know what? I have a good heart. I may have a couple of rough edges, but I'm not a bad person. Well, let me just get in your face and say, you are a bad person. And so am I. We were born bad. It's in our DNA to be bad. You know, as that silly country song says, you are bad to the bone. Because of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, by nature, we don't have a good heart. By nature, we're not just a little rough around the edges. We are bad, totally bad, completely bad. In fact, Galatians 5.19 says, we were full of debauchery. What's debauchery? Well, I looked that up this week, and here's what I read. Debauchery is degeneracy, depravity, immodesty, indecency, perversion, iniquity, wickedness, immorality, lewdness, lust, promiscuity, decadence. And there were a whole bunch of other words that I couldn't pronounce, and I certainly had no idea of their meaning. <laughs> Welcome to the Church of God Holiness, where we always make you feel good about yourself. That's what you were. Now, why am I hitting on this? Well, well, there's a reason. If we're to be candidates to accept God's wonderful grace, we must recognize that we're full of sin. We're full of wickedness. We are full of debauchery. And this is the starting point for grace. You know, if we don't see ourselves as bad sinners, if, if we see ourselves as just a little rough around the edges and, and as having a good heart and being good people, we will never, ever feel the need for a Savior and never be candidates for God's grace. 
You know, the Bible said that Jesus did not come for the righteous. Jesus came for the sinners. He didn't come for those who were healthy and those for who had it all together. He came for the sick. So if you want to sit back and say, you know what, you're a good person, knock yourself out, go ahead and polish your halo. But you're only fooling yourself because you are not a good person. I'm not a good person. And until you and and until we come to the point of recognizing that we're broken and messed up and bad sinners and need a spiritual cleansing, we can never be saved. That is why Paul says you were you were a mess. You were like John Newton. And so was I. But then Paul goes on and says, but God, (laughs) you were. But God. Now, now think about Paul for a moment. Paul may not have cussed like a sailor, but let me tell you what Paul did. All, all Paul did was to kill people. That's all he did. Uh, the, the Bible says he took the lives of Christians. That's right. The, the, the guy that wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament before he was a follower of Christ, he so hated Christians that he literally took their lives. Now, I, I, I think that sometimes we, we feel, well, you know, that was such a long time ago. You know, we, we just kind of put it in the category. Yeah, he took people's lives, but no big deal. But what Paul did was a big deal. In fact, what he did was kind of in the category of the footage we've seen in the last few years where people were bound and led to a beach and made to kneel down and they had some kind of cloth put over their heads and, and instructed to deny and renounce, renounce Christ or die. And if they refused to deny Christ, they were beheaded in the name of religion. That's pretty much what Paul did. Now, his method was a little different. He would have a bunch of people take up big rocks and then over and over have them heave those rocks at the followers of Christ. And, and it was not a fast death like being beheaded. Being pelted to death with rocks was a slow and painful death. Once the victim was rem- rendered immobile, they would be left alone on the ground. And it could take several hours or even days for them to finally die. And who was the one behind all of this? The one who became the Apostle Paul. And so with this in mind, imagine sitting down with Paul and hearing his story and hearing him say, you know, I hated them. I hated all of those Christians. And a good day for me was when I got to teach them a lesson. But then imagine Paul saying, but then one day I was on my way to the high priest strategizing how I could rid the world of these pesky followers of the way. And they didn't call them Christians at this time. They called them followers of the way. But imagine Paul saying that all of a sudden in the middle of the day, in the, in the middle of the road, a light came out of the sky. And one minute my vision was perfect. The next moment I was totally blind. And, and then a voice rang out from the heavens and said, Saul, that was his name before he found Christ. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And, and Paul says, you know, even though I'd never heard this voice, yet I immediately knew it was the voice of the Lord. And, and the Lord sent me to a guy named Ananias, a, a man who should have hated me and should have feared me. But instead, this man loved me and he laid hands on me and, and prayed for me. And then something like scales fell from my eyes. And, and even though I had been so lost, here we pick up our reading in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, but God. 
who is so rich in mercy, say amen. And he loved us so very much, say amen. That even while we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life, say amen, when he raised Christ from the dead. And so what does that mean to us today? Well, for years and years in the Old Testament, the people of God would gather together once a year and they would celebrate the Passover. And this was to remember the day when they would take an innocent one-year-old lamb and sacrifice the lamb and they put the blood of the lamb on the top of the doorposts and then on each side of the door. And when that happened, the death angel passed over them and they lived because that lamb, listen, was a temporary sacrifice for their sins. Fast forward to the New Testament. We learn that Jesus became the permanent sacrifice because he was the Lamb of God who was slain for the sins of the entire world. And in the Old Testament, when they would take the blood and and put it at the top of the doorpost, what would happen? Well, the blood would drip down. It would spill down to the ground. and, And that was a foreshadowing of the blood of the Lamb of God that was spilled down from the cross onto the ground and would signify the forgiveness of sins. And so Paul says, but God who is rich in mercy and loved us so much, became the sacrifice so we could find salvation. Praise God, the story didn't end with the crucifixion. Yes, Jesus breathed his last breath and died. The earth went dark, began to shake. And yes, the disciples began to question what would happen now. And yes, on day one, nothing happened. Yes, on day two, nothing happened. Uh, But on day three, something happened. On Sunday morning, when when the women went to the tomb, they found the stone rolled away. And the angelic being said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here. Christ is risen from the dead. And that is the reason that we have the second sound bite, but God. Yes, you were. You were dead and doomed. But God. Which leads us to the third sound bite. <laughs> Let me read a couple of verses that com- completely changed my life and they changed your life as well. When we were lost and hurting and full blown, all out sinners, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For it is by grace. There's the third sound bite. By grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work, so that no one can boast. So, You were, but God, by grace, not by works, but by grace, not by religion, but by grace, not by your human efforts, but by grace, not by rules, but by grace, not by church attendance, but by grace, not just by your baptism, but by grace, not by your perfection, but by grace. You know, one time Jesus came across a woman who had been caught in the very act of adultery and and the law said to stone her. And all of the religious men said, put her to death. You know, kill her, get rid of her. She's trash. But Jesus knelt down and started writing something in the sand. And some believe perhaps he wrote the sins of the men who were saying to stone her. Because it's interesting, one by one. And the Bible says from the oldest to the youngest, they walked away. And then Jesus knelt down before this broken and this sinful woman and said, ma'am. Where are your accusers? And she looked up through her tears. And she said, there are none. And then Jesus, by grace, set her free. 
told her to go sin no more. You were, but God, by grace. Jesus also told about a father who had two sons. One of the sons said, Dad, I want my inheritance, and I want it now. I need space from you. I can't take your rules anymore, so give me what's mine, and we'll go our separate ways. The son took his inheritance and went out and did what some of us have done. And and again, the word debauchery describes basically what he did. He lived a sinful, broken, wicked life. But one day he came to his senses and realized that even his father's servants had it better than he did. And so he decided to go back home and throw himself on his father's mercy. Just asked to be treated as one of his father's servants. But, But this is the good part. The son had no idea that the father had been waiting and praying as some of you are doing and hoping and trusting that one day his son would return and when the father saw the son a long way off the father ran to the son and he took his clean robe and and covered his filthy body and proclaimed with joy and pride that my son was lost but by grace is found you were but God by grace And then while Jesus was on the cross, he was between two criminals. One hurled insults at him and said, you saved others. Why can't you save us? But the other thief looked on and realized that there was something wonderfully different about Jesus. And so Jesus looked at this man. A man who now could never do a good work because he was dying on the cross. He looked at this man who now could never join the church. He looked at this man who now could never give an offering, who now could never be baptized, who now could never help a little woman cross the road. He looked at this thief who was completely guilty and said, by grace you will be with me in paradise. You were, but God, by grace. And then 1,450 years later, In 1483, a man named Martin Luther came onto the scene. On his way to law school one day, lightning struck him down and almost killed him. He lay there and cried out, God, if you will spare my life, I will go into the ministry. And and God did spare his life, so he went through training to become a priest. In 1505, he finished his training, and for the very first time, He was raising the communion elements as they do in in the Catholic Church to consecrate them. And as he lifted those elements, he began to shake. And it wasn't because of nervousness. It was because of guilt. They had to stabilize his hand so that he would not spill the communion elements. In the days to come, Martin Luther would keep on struggling, trying to find true salvation Well, the religious hierarchy assigned him to the University of Wittenberg, where he became a professor. He was still miserable. He constantly went back to a father named Stoppitz. And and time and again, time and time again, he would say, Father Stoppitz, I'm I'm afraid that I've forgotten to confess a sin. And, oh, oh, yes, I just remembered another one of my sins. And and I confess that sin to you. And, And it is said that Father Stoppitz became so weary of Martin Luther's obsession to be free from his sins. And so he said, I'm going to give you an assignment to preoccupy your thoughts, to keep you busy. He said, I want you to do an exhaustive study of the book of Galatians, Ephesians, and Romans. Books of Galatians, Ephesians, and Romans. Well, in the middle of this assignment, he went to the city, the grand city of Rome, hoping to discover true salvation by just seeing this amazing city. 
But in Rome, he was stunned by the irreverence of the church leaders. And, and one day while doing penance, climbing on his knees up the 28 steps of the church now known as the Scala Sancta, or in other words, the sanctuary of the holy stairs. While he was climbing on his knees, the light of revelation hit him. And he read those words in Romans chapter 1, verse 17. The just shall live by faith. And he stopped there on those steps, still on his knees. And, and he began to think about those words. You know, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And all of a sudden, the light of God's word made its way into his heart. And he understood, yeah, the just shall live by faith. And his life was transformed. You were but God by grace. There may be others of you. There may be some of you here. You know about this. You were dead in your sins. You were into, remember the word debauchery. You, you were. But then you also know about our second soundbite of but God. You were a mess. You were dead. You were doomed. You were a sinner. Debauchery. But God wouldn't give up on you. He kept chasing you. He kept loving you. And then by grace, he came and changed you. He forgave you. He cleansed you. And now you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You were, but God, by grace. But there may be others of you at this moment, you recognize that there is something missing in your life. And so let me just tell you that in one moment, with one prayer, one Savior can change everything. You were. Yeah, you were. But God, by grace. I want to read you some of the words from this song that... Uh, and, and, and I want you just to feel the power of the words that John Newton wrote. And let me just step in here with the second verse. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we've already come. T'was grace has, hath brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. And then I love this declaration of the way that it will be in heaven. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So ladies and gentlemen, you were... But God, by grace. And so this morning as we wrap up our service, maybe there's some of you that uh, you're still at the you were stage. <laughs> you are. And you haven't experienced God's wonderful grace. Would you do so today? Would you just yield your heart to him and accept what he has for you? 
And I want to ask you to stand. And there may be a few of you that you want to just come forward and, and kneel here at the steps and pray and receive what God has for you. There may be a few of you that you're right with God, but you just want to come and, and thank God. Celebrate. Celebrate what He's done in your heart. You don't want to take it for granted. You want to praise Him on this Palm Sunday. So I just invite you to come. If you have a need, come. If you have a praise, come. And this morning, let's just wrap things up by thanking God for what He's done and what He's doing, what He's going to do. Anyone else, you want to just come and celebrate or seek give you just a couple of moments before we go into our prayer some of you maybe you've been questioning a lot of things this would be the day to just trust and give it all to Christ oh father we want to thank you for the amazing message of the cross lord I want to thank you for the victory in Christ Jesus Lord, I want to thank you for what you have done for us. Lord, I want to thank you that despite the fact that we were, Lord, we were sinners, we were dead and doomed, and we were followers of Satan, full of debauchery. But God came, and Lord, God chased us. And, and because of the cross, because of the resurrection, applied extended the grace to us so that even though we're sinners yet lord we can be transformed by the power of jesus christ and so lord i want to just pray right now for those here today that maybe they aren't right with you and god they've uh maybe there's some here that they haven't trusted you with everything they haven't given everything to you and so, Lord, right now, I want to just pray that they would be extended that grace. And, Lord, that they would be able to have the witness of the Spirit, that they are transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, don't let anyone leave here today not right with you. Lord, I want to just pray that you would help us to have more of an urgency. Lord, for our neighbors and friends on this week, Lord, we don't want to just keep this to ourselves, but I pray that this week... We would be faithful to invite and to bring other people into you. So, Lord, right now, we just want to celebrate, but we also seek you. Thank you, Lord, that even though we were, thank you that God came, but God. Lord, thank you that you extended your grace to us. We praise you and we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Would you just one more time say, You were, but God, by grace. Happy Easter next week. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.